Hello, you're listening to So There I Was. It's how all great aviation tales begin. This week's episode is the fifth day the ship blew up. Episode 85. And that ship is the USS Forstall. It was a little sobering to chat with this gentleman, Hyde, oh, who was yeah. with us this week, who was indeed on the USS Forrestal, two planes away from former Senator John McCain in his A-4 as a Zuni rocket fired off prematurely and, and blew up the fuel cell, fuel, the, uh, fuel cell on an A-4, right? which led to armament cooking off in 137 sailors and Marines losing their lives that day and another 160 plus injured. sunk the ship, almost lost the ship. They just managed to save it. Horrible. He had a very storied career. He did indeed. Real quickly, no sponsors this week. We do want to get our thank yous out there to Chase Cole, who's running a Facebook group, and he's going to help us with putting together a conglomeration of stories for next week's show because we're taking our Christmas break. Sorry, folks. We'll be back again on the 4th of January with a new show, but we're going to do a best of show conglomerated together. And I got a better, need a better word than that for. It'll be, it'll be, a, it'll be a, a bunch of good stories lumped together. How's that? Bingo. Yeah. We'll fix it. <laughs> and then I think uh, we probably play, what do you think? Captain Royce Williams, who, who got oh, the Navy yeah. cross for shooting down yeah, four MiGs. We'll rerun his show. Then we'll be back all refreshed and ready to go after the new year. Thank you to our Patreon pilots who are supporting us with your financial means. It helps us a great deal. We we can't tell you how much we appreciate it. This is it. This is the last show you'll hear before Christmas. We're asking that you put up a photo on Facebook of giving something to Toys for Tots, and we are going to match that. If you're going to write them a check or something like that, we are going to match up to $1,000 for uh for toys for tots so if you want to send us an email showing us a check that you sent we will match that up to the first thousand dollars so you can double your gift that's awesome yeah yeah let's do it what else let's talk about Hyde. this is an amazing story huh yeah 19 uh let's see he went to ocs he got winged in 1966 and ended up flying a4s yeah he was a nav cad out of mississippi state another nav cad Graduate. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. I had a had a, an amazing Navy career and then, you know, went on to be an airline pilot, but also stayed in general aviation and continued to fly. He actually flew A4 uh, in uh, in the air show circuit for a while. Right. Yeah. This is a civilian. So that was pretty good. And there's some good videos of him out there on YouTube doing that. So it's Dave Dollarhide and A4. He's the editor of A4. Dash ever so header of a a forever Skyhawk Journal, which can be found online at I believe it's Skyhawk.org. But yeah, so let's talk. He had a couple things. The first one that was most horrific, obviously, was that day in 1967, July of 67, when the Zuni rocket fired, blew the airplane up next to him, and he got hurt getting out of the airplane. Yep. And and yeah, he did. There was a lot of people. Quickly realized killed. he was among the least hurt. So, yeah, as, as armament cooked off and burning fuel poured down through the holes in the flight deck to the lower decks, and it just got further and further down, and it got way close to the magazine. And had the magazine gone, then 
then that yeah, ship would have would have yeah, been at the bottom of the Gulf of Tonkin. So horrific. Then a couple of years later, was back on the East Coast flying A fours out of Cecil Field, and had a little engine problem. Jumped out of another A four. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> this time did the silk good, recovery. Yeah, it's a good story. Almost, almost made it back. Yeah. Almost. Right. Then he went against his own best best judgment and moved the throttle. And the engine went, okay. You want me to shut down? I'm done. Yeah, I did. <laughs> no. He he has a lot of he had a he's got a lot of stories, a lot of flying experience, and a very you know honorable Navy career. Absolutely, and he's a survivor. You'll see what we mean by that. Uh, Absolutely, for more than one reason. Just yeah, we'll tease it at that and leave it at that. And I think get out of the way and let let Hyde tell his story. Everybody have a Merry Christmas, Happy Hanukkah, whichever holiday you celebrate. Hope you get some time with family and friends, and we're grateful to you this holiday season for helping make this show a great success. You're sharing it with people. We're growing like crazy. I'm humbled. Very humbling. And we're very honored to be able to do this. It's, it's been a great ride and we are both looking forward to 2024. It's going to be a great year. So what do you say? What do you, what, what, what do you want to say before we leave? All right, everybody. This here's Don't a sit on the ejection seat and handle. About crossing the pond. It could end badly. At it's night. hard to reach when you're sitting on it. In the world's right. smallest cockpit. You may need that thing. Here comes I. On the tanker, through the weather. Oh, and to the uh, tanker crew who uh, did that. Thanks a lot. We really appreciated that. I'm just kidding. No, I'm not. Well, there I was. Crossing the pond, and you could see that I wasn't exactly fun. So there I was. I just landed my last flight in the F-11. And I was going to walk into the ready room and sit down and take it all in after two years of flight training. And I loved the F-11. It was one of the most unique airplanes that I flew in my life. It was the first supersonic airplane. It rolled right around the fuselage when you just pushed the stick over. It didn't carry much gas. We'd probably uh, actually log a point nine, and the instructor would say, put down 1.2. <laughs> and I had I had just received my, the day before, my first down in, in the entire training command. And I think that was my Marine first lieutenant instructor trying to pop me and the uh, Marine First Lieutenant and the Marquette that I was w- with in the flight of flight. Those Marines are such pricks. <laughs> right. <laughs> and that's how all yeah. great aviation tales begin. Welcome, everybody, to the podcast. So there I was. This is one of your co-hosts, Repeat, coming to you from New Hampshire this evening. And this is where we record. And my co-host, Fig. Hey, everybody. Thank you. Welcome. Hi, I'm in uh, Kearney, Missouri, which is, you know, Kansas City. And special guest, Hyde. Hyde. Welcome on to aboard, us by, Hyde. Yep, turned on to us by Chucker. Welcome, sir. So, well, let's back up a little bit. Let's let's go back to the beginning of where, where did you first become interested in those flying machines? And uh, how did you decide you wanted to operate one? Well, you would have thought that I would have picked it up from my uncle who spent 
18 months in a Stalag in Germany after his B-17 was Oof. shot down. Okay. But but no, I got it from my roommate at Mississippi State, whose father said he's going to give him some flight lessons. Why, I don't know. There was no flying in their family at all. But I would go hang around at the small airport, and that's where I got the bug. So it was a, a natural thing when the Navy recruiters came to the campus. I went up to talk to them, and it, there was an ensign there who had been brought in for a week or so. They would do that. I wound up doing that a few years later myself, go to the tra- my college and, and, and walk around the, compass, the, the campus, I'm trying to say, and, and talk it up. So uh, anyway... I left. I left there and took went into class twenty eight sixty four, in the uh, program called the AOCS program, Aviation Officer Candidate, which was one, four years of college, college degree, and then would go through a pre flight in Pensacola, and would get uh, commissioned ensign or most of the Marines. Well, it would be the same for the MARCADs. We had NAVCADs and MARCADs. Those were two-year college guys. And both of them would not get their commission until they had finished flight training. Right. A long time for us because uh, it took two years with the Vietnam buildup and bubbles in the system. Huh. So anyway, I, I left there and got with my wings and it, and it happened like this when I walked in the ready room. I walked in and threw, threw my helmet in a chair. There were a lot of people in there. I was about the middle of the pack from the counter where the scheduling officer was. And uh, and then he says, Dollar, get your ass over to the CO's office in the uniform of the day. You're going to get your wings. And so I went over there. It was me and the CO and the secretary and a photographer. Nobody else. That was wow. a class of one. <laughs> Holy that shit. A cla- that was a class of one, and class that was of- normal. I'll be uh, darned. Years later with the Skyhawk Association, we, w- we went to a, a winging ceremony at Beeville. Pardon me, not okay. Beeville. At, uh, Kingsville? At Kingsville, thank you. Yeah. And, and there probably were... 30, 30 people getting their wings at one time there. So this was a, a hell of a lot different. Oh, yeah. Now, so, I, if you said it, I'd, I'm sorry, I missed it. Where where, where were you when you got your wings? Was that Pensacola or were you in? No, uh, I, was at, I was at Beeville, Texas. Beeville, okay. And, and, the, and the advanced trainer was an F-11. The advanced trainer was F-11, but we flew the F-9 first. Okay. Holy shit. Right? <laughs> wow. That's awesome. That is awesome. I was I was I was thrilled as I drove out to the to the base to report to Beaville. I was I was salivating as the jets came into the break overhead and were doing their pitch out to land the F nines and the F elevens. I was beside myself that I was really gonna get to do that. Now, Hyde, uh, so you, you went to AOCS in 1964. Did you get your wings in the same year? I got 
No, it was uh, delayed with all the bubbles. It would it should have taken eighteen months. That was normal. So you got winged and in it, about sixty six then. I got I was winged in a in a, like May of sixty six. Okay, that's pretty. After being in flight training for two years, that's pretty. That's 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 awesome. Holy shit! Okay. So what'd you get out of, did you go straight to, because uh, we know you flew A4s at one point. Did you go straight to A4s out of Kingsville? Uh, out of Beville, yes. Beville. Yeah. Roger that. I went straight to uh, the instrument rag, which was an F9 rag, and they would refresh us on instruments. And then we'd go over to VA-44, which was the A4 rag. Well, uh, where was that located? At Cecil Field. Okay. And is that where your uh, fleet squadron was as well? When you finished the rag, just stay there at Cecil? Well, yes and no, because you're also going to go out to a ship for six to nine months or so. Sure. So what was your yeah. first fleet squadron then, Hyde? VA-46 Klansman. And we had, we had plaid on the tail. Plaid. And... Uh, uh, it was it was a it was a good outfit. Black okay. and white plaid. What 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 would it look like? Did no, the tail no, flash. it was multicolored, like Scottish plaid. Oh, okay, okay. Oh, very yeah, cool. Like that was hard to paint. Yeah, I get it. <laughs> it was a rendition. Scottish of a Scottish uh, the, kilt. The first CO's family uh, tartan. Oh, okay. His name was his name was McDougal. Nice. So what was the makeup of an A-4 squadron in 1966? How many airplanes, how many pilots? Well, we by the time I got out of the rag and and the squadron came back from a med cruise, the next deployment, uh, so it was about, it was almost a year before we left for Westpac. Okay. And I was, I was in a class with the ops officer, Gary Stark. G-E-R-R-Y, Stark. And then the, the incoming XO to the squadron, which in a Marine, in a Navy squadron, it's different than a Marine. It's a, they're both commanders, CO and XO. Right. They fleet and up, the, right? Like the XO would later become the CO? Correct, yeah. Okay, so, but I'm... Um, how many airplanes were in a fleet squadron, A-4s, in 1966? Well, because we were going to Westpac, we had 23 airplanes. Okay, okay. So, I'm, I'm sorry. We had we had 23 pilots. How many? And oddly enough, most, most of them were lieutenant commanders. Wow, that's heavy. And it was because those were the days where a lot of, a lot of people were dying, and— and so uh, they were having to go out into the prop community and get P2V guys and and stoof drivers and putting them. They typically put them through a training command as an instructor in the, in the jet pipeline, right. flying the T, T2A. And and then, okay. then after that, it was... When the TA-4 stood up by then? No, no, no. The, the entire training command was uh, T-34B. Yeah. And then a T-2A yep. single engine. And then the, uh, we flew the, the 
the T2 at Meridian in basic, and and then we went either to Kingsville or Beeville in Texas for advanced. There was two sections there. There was an advanced, but in the F9, but there was an advanced in the F11. Okay, okay, I got you. So, so the the pilot makeup of your first fleet squadron was pretty heavy. There were a bunch of O4s. Nice. Because uh, you 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 were alluding to the fact that losses there were heavy losses in in that particular community right A four community so they well, were well in North in North Vietnam the the attack guys naturally were the most losses yeah so that's where all the kills were coming from and those those prop guys were filling in coming from the training command sometimes. <laughs> just a little quickie course to get them going because they're short of people. Wow. Okay. And uh, So 23 pilots per squadron, most of them were uh, commanders or lieutenant commanders or better. And and then so there was uh, just a handful of uh, lieutenant JGs, I guess, just straight out of flight school. Well, we had, I think we had three lieutenants and the rest were JGs. Wow. And so it was a different different deal because normally you would see maybe four tops, five lieutenant commanders, right? And out of twenty three pilots, so it was uh, it was part of this build up uh, struggle they were having. Wow! A year before was the first time I heard the term Vietnam. Yeah, while you were in while you were in Beeville. Well, I was. Well, I was in the training command, yeah. Oh, yeah. And, you know, I was just over there this past summer. I met one of our AQs in the Navy. That's uh, that guy that does radar and radios. Oh. Uh, AQ2, Ben Hedgepath. Okay. And uh, he's one of those guys who has suffered dearly his entire life after the forest all with PTSD. We can talk about that later. Okay. Oh, goodness. Yeah, so, well, how long was it before you got to the forest hall after the training command? There was like a a year to later. So I got there in May of of 66, and we left in, like I said, around June or so of uh, 66 or 67. Yes. We were based at Cecil Flying okay. off of Barstow, okay. and, and you left off the East Coast. Oceana. I mean, uh, Norfolk. Okay. So. Okay. Yeah. So, now, uh, stupid question. Uh, the way you go um, did you go Rio, through the canal? Did you go across around the, we, the Cape Horn? In, in Rio. We didn't have fun at all. Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That was probably terrible. Was wild, you didn't like that. Right? I mean, Get me back on the ship. Get me out of here. <laughs> my, my roommate and I had been reading some of the message traffic going over to Westpac, and the Oriskany had lost something like eight airplanes in 12 okay. days. Oh, my gosh. Because we were, we were one of the first ships to go straight to Yankee Station. We didn't oh, go dear, to, go to Dixon That's Station horrible. at all. So our first flights were uh, supposed to be Alpha Strikes, 
but all of that came to a screeching halt when on the fifth day the, the uh, rocket fired on the, the Zuni fired off and uh, started our mess. Oh, yeah. You know? So can you uh, can you define, so Yankee Station was in the Gulf of Tonkin. Where was Dixie? About 100 miles south. Okay. So, That's uh, a wag. The, so, so you would launch, so most of the, most of the combat sorties were launched from Yankee Station because it's closer. Well, if you're got if you're going into heavily defended parts of Vietnam, you are you're doing it from you're doing it from uh, from Yankee Up North. Station. Yankee, uh, yeah. Dixie Station was more suited for close air support. Okay. And so the Marines, you know, sometimes Marine Squadron would be aboard, and like I remember, a uh, VF three 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 trip tray was uh, only America. And and that's some friends of mine in in that Marine squadron, and and they they got shot down just about right over Haiphong. Oh boy! But I wasn't privy to a lot of that. Uh, I, I after the forest all, I'll give you a rundown whenever you want about my experience there. Yeah. But, um, uh, just so uh, I, I got this timeline right in my mind here, Hyde. Yep. You, you were a lieutenant. J- were you a were you lieutenant JG when you deployed the Westpac for the first time? Yep. So you're lieutenant JG. You're going to Westpac. You go straight to yep. Yankee Station. Correct. To start combat operations, and on the fifth or sixth, every every ship had to stop in the Philippines at Cuba. On oh, the way. That's, that's federal uh, law. On the way. Yeah. I bet okay. that was, that was I bet that was less fun than real. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, there was very little class there, that's for sure. <laughs> there you go. Awesome. You, you could walk the bridge across through Subic Bay Naval Air, Sta- Air right. uh, Naval Station. Right. And that bridge went right, right across into Alongapo, which was a, a disgusting place that we all went to. Right. <laughs> We, it, uh, it still is, and yeah, uh, you know, uh, yeah, I don't think yeah, the kids still diving for coins in the in the shit river, as they call it. So, yeah. So, had you flown combat missions prior to the rocket going off on the deck of the Forestall? I had the SDO on the first day. Oh my so gosh! I was, I was relaxed and on the SDO desk, and I could, I could pick on people when they were going out for their first flight. So that's squadron duty officer. I remember, I remember saying okay. to Andy Malcolm as he he walked out and he he was taking the last draw on his cigarette and, and his hand is shaking like a leaf. And and I said as he turned, he closed the door, put the cigarette out, and then he started up out to the elevator, escalator right outside our door. And as he started out the door, I said, Andy. And he turned around, he says, Yes, what? And I said, if you bust your ass and I have your stereo. <laughs> so uh, safe, safe nice. on the desk I was. <laughs> so the, the next day we were to fly a, a mini Alpha, which would have been about 12, 13 airplanes. But the weather, it was a, a early flight, day flight, of course, and uh, Alpha strikes were always done daytime. Okay. And so we break up into, uh, they came back and said the weather was too bad for the big strike. So 
we went ahead and and broke up into two different into sections. So myself and the ops officer, Terry Stark, okay. uh, uh, flew our secondary mission, and it was it was overcast at about two thousand feet, and it was just just south of Han and if there were some flags that came at us, I didn't see it. We were, and we went after a bridge that when I rolled, pointed my, my Gary, Gary rolled in first, but he pulled up into the clouds. So now I don't see him. And now I have to guess where he is and kind of avoid where he went up. And Shit. then he comes out for in his 45 degree dive. So he, pop, he pops up. He popped up for the uh, for the attack and went into the clouds. He went into the clouds, so I lost him. And, and then, I, then he comes out away from me. I had made sure I moved away from where that would have been. Yeah, and rolled oh, right shit. in behind him. And it was so a, you were in. It was a bridge stage. down in the river. It was hundreds of bomb craters all over the place. So that, that was my first flight. What was the ingress altitude before you popped up? What was the ingress altitude, Neil? Uh, well, we're hide. high altitude, high 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 angle would be a, okay. Would be a, a sixty degree dive angle on the gyro to give you, and so we would we would roll in at okay. twelve or thirteen. We had to jack it up one thousand because the wing commander said we're not going to go below four thousand up north. Too many losses right. up there. Right. Yeah, guys that's a good to point. stay out of this. Try to stay out of some of the weapon engagement zone. Yeah, try to stay out of the yeah. small arms fight. The so, small guns. So, how many combat missions did you get before things went to crap on you? The well, that day the, the, the ship blew up on the fifth day. So i fifth. I flew I flew that strike I mentioned, mm-hmm. and then i I flew one uh, to a railroad siding. With uh, about 10, 10, 12 airplanes. Okay. And then the next day, I flew an Alpha Strike to the Thanwa Bridge. And I was, uh, that was with the, the Phantoms were dropping CBU 25s, which were those small, small bomblets. And and we, we didn't have any F8s. We were all Phantoms by then. And so everybody started. Uh, doing a wagon wheel, sort of, but we were going in pretty fast, so that when we rolled in, in a left turn, for the most part, we were coming out, going straight for the ocean, for the gulf. And On the egress? When you're coming on the egress, on the egress you're going feet, trying to go feet Yeah, away. just trying, and, and the Thanwar the Bridge is not that far, so the flak, the flak was extremely heavy, of course, I was the last guy, so they're all shooting at me when I went down to shoot. Sure, and and I I could I could actually see a couple of rounds themselves go by, and I assume they didn't explode or exploded behind me. But it was all going fast, and the sky was filled with gray and black flak, and so yeah, and so uh, oh shit. As I as I went down the the, the tunnel. And I realized that once I get away, this is my this is my brain thinking while, right. I'm, while I'm in the run. <laughs> yeah, because it was flak was everywhere. And but then as I as I pulled out at uh, right at about 
4,000 feet, thereabouts. Uh, then I says, you know, I'm not even going to pull up because I'm already past where all the guns are. And so I just, I, I just kept the nose going down because it was just marsh towards the water. Mm-hmm. And so I was, I went out, <laughs> I went out over 600 indicated. Oh yeah. You were picking nice. up speed all the way going down. <laughs> yeah. And so, because I, you know, I had this mental picture about me going back up to 12 or 13,000 feet right over the target. And getting hit on the way up. Shit yeah. coming by me. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, yeah. That's not a good idea. And so, and, and so now I'm out over the water and there's nothing out there. And I just let it drift down to flying it along at 50 feet and 600 knots. And, and <laughs> then I realized that I'm around these little sandpapers all over the place. And I said, this is stupid. What am I doing here? And oh, yeah, right. Gary, where the hell is Gary? <laughs> so, so he probably I, couldn't keep up. <laughs> I, I right. pulled up it to a straight up mode and, and as, and I, it elevated like a rocket. And and I'm and I see one A four, and I get up there and I and sure enough, it was Gary. He never knew I was gone. <laughs> hey, uh, I want to before we get too far down the road here, Hyde. What can you define the term alpha strike? Well, it, it's a list that came from the Pentagon. Okay. Right across the president's desk, as a matter of fact, when Johnson was there, those those people killed a lot of uh, a lot of friends. Yeah, but uh, yeah, getting involved in picking targets. Uh, so the Alpha Strike was a, a target picked in Washington. Okay, but for planning purposes, the flight leader would be. Uh, oh, break! Break! I didn't charge my phone. Let me get it. Get it. Get okay. No worries. I'm going to hit, uh, I'm going to find the pause button here. Try I tell see. you what, I, I had, I wasn't aware that Hyde was doing this recording from his phone. It's actually right. really good. It, it's amazing how good it is. We were talking alpha strikes and those, the brain trusts in Washington, DC, picking targets and determining uh, what was, what was best on the ground. It, you know, right. geez, that's, that's such bullshit. <laughs> it is amazing. And so I, I was under the impression I knew alpha strikes, it, the targets were picked by high level Pentagon, whoever. But I thought alpha strikes were big. You know, they were always big, like, you know, 20, yeah, they, 20 they airplanes. Were. They were. Is that is it? Yeah. Uh, they were big. And okay. in that yeah. alpha strike, we probably had 25 airplanes. Or more. Holy shit. And so that, that that first day you said the weather was bad, so you split up into into a couple of different smaller strikes to yeah, go we, on we, go for different We broke targets. up into section sections only. Because of the weather. Okay. Okay. But the mini alpha was more like twelve wow. twelve airplanes. Alpha strike would be yeah. more like about seventeen, eighteen bombers. And then you got the fighter cover and then you got Fighters dropping uh, CBU, so it it kicked it up to bigger numbers. And then, so you know, we carried that term "alpha strike" into you know the early '90s. We'd call uh, 
an alpha strike when you launch a bunch of airplanes to go to, you know, Oceana for Friday night, <laughs> for, for Friday night at the, yeah. at the fighter bar, we'd launch an alpha strike. Everybody would fly up yeah, there and well, land. It's kind of like that, especially if you try to fly after coming out of there. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, I, I did read, this was some time ago. It was more than a week ago. So, you know, I don't remember what I did last week half the time. <laughs> I, I did read your uh, a written account of so, somebody, I think, interviewed you and wrote it down, or you wrote it down, but your written account of what happened the day that the rocket went out. You were sitting in an airplane on the deck of the Forestall Correct. when that went down, right? Uh, did, it may be. Uh, did Holy I send shit. you my – I have – I have my version. Yeah, I don't, I, you know, I think I've read it too, and I don't know from whence we got it. Chucker might have sent it. You know what? I think Chucker sent I think Chucker oh, sent I, I it. Oh, yeah. I gave that to, uh, I gave that to Robert Jones. Okay, so Jungle would have sent it too. Jungle, All right. Yeah. So let me got. ask, yeah, okay. and l- let me ask this as well. So, uh, and you do, you do editing. I, I, I assume you do good a, a good bit of writing as well. And and what's the what's the name of the Correct. magazine yeah. you edit? It's called the uh, A Dash Four Number Four mm-hmm. Ever Skyhawk Journal. A Forever. A, a, a Forever. The a Forever Skyhawk Journal. That's awesome. And it is it is not a newsletter. It's we started out almost thirty years ago, and it was a newsletter and we've got almost every copy in the archives that's awesome and uh the the editor who uh, took me to come in there was was uh hickerson bob hickerson okay and he, he was a marine and he had flown a4s with a navy air wing i think on the hancock or one of those smaller boats okay excellent guy we got we clicked like a, a, a clock and he just wanted me to help him do photographs and then that turned into me doing more and more and more and then he comes down with dementia and i had to become the, the there's nobody standing there in the wing so the only other non-paid person was me <laughs> and so i started doing that after a he decided, and I knew because I, we we wound up the the last issue that he helped me with. I, I had him do one one article, proofread one article. It had been written by one of the air intelligence guys on the Ariskany about the fire and all that. Okay. And the and he, the kid had written it just for his family, and it was in first person, and it was in the third person. It was. It was in the now, and it was in the after, and oh, the future. I mean, it was all over the place to get the, the your brain oriented to what we're talking. Getting it back to yeah. But Bob couldn't do it. Oh. And then I knew, and he's the sharpest guy I've ever known, and can only believe that he was the same kind of pilot. But anyway, we lost him. We lost him about a year and a half ago. Uh, right after we had a tail hook reunion. Is that by chance the A Forever Hawk Journal? Is is that on, on the internet? Is it a uh, electronic publication or is it a hard copy? Yes, sir. It is because we 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 put out uh, three three issues in, in glossy paper and 
And then the winter issue, which I'm, I was working on this afternoon, is digital only. So in about a week or two, I will put the new one on the website, skyhawk.org. Gotcha. Is it skyhawk.org? Is that the whole yeah, address? Yeah, skyhawk.org. I just found it, so I'll get well, it. Well, HTTP. So skyhawk.org yeah. is is how you get to the A forever Skyhawk Journal. Yeah. Yes, sir. Yeah. It's our it's our website, it, and the link to a PDF is on the front cover. Okay. On the home page. That's outstanding. I know where I'm going. I normally do a ten page article, but I've got one coming for this winter, and I had I had one that was about a marine. It was a whole marine flight. It, Going over to Westpac and and uh, oh, they called it the death flight. <laughs> Jeez. But anyway, enjoy. It. Yeah. All right. Well, thank and you. I, we're 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 gonna put it on our website as well. And absolutely. and I love reading. Uh, I mean, I grew up reading Vietnam naval aviator stories. That's kind of what hooked me. You know, to want to do that as a profession. Yeah. Oh, it's well, got some uh, great. Great stuff on there too. I'm just briefly looking at it, and there's a picture of a uh, of an A4 mic next to a Russian bear. And oh, no way! Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, all right, Hyde. So, can you set us set us set us up for the fifth day you were at Yankee Station? You you were getting ready to launch, or you had already launched and recovered w- when the rocket went off? Had to kind of set this up, set it up for us. No, it was the second flight of the day to go at 10 o'clock and the first flight had recovered in time for us to get another gaggle together. So they, they, cause you got to do a a pullback to reposition all the airplanes. So we were, we we briefed down the ready room and we go up and and ready room is where we found out we're going to be dropping these M65 World War 2000 pounders. Whoa. Never heard of Right. Somebody came over and said, here's a good meal. Where did they dig those up from? (laughs) Well, it came from Taiwan. In a moldy moldy bomb bunker, I'm sure. Because uh, they they cooked off inside of 90 seconds high order. And they cooked off because I'm going to give you a, a quick and dirty. I'll just go through it. Yeah. I, I walked up to the airplane, and there's this rusted thing there. And I think we may have had Mark 82s on the outboard stations. These were Echoes. Okay, so those are 500-pounders, so high-explosive. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah 82s. Yep. Yeah. And, and then and I had finished. My plane captain was gone. I was already – Nomex was not even out. So we were wearing a Marine fatigue to fly in. And, no uh, kidding. I'm I'm there with my sleeves rolled up, and and all of a sudden, all of a sudden, I heard, whoomp. And I, I looked to my left, and our sister squadron airplane was there. Crash Dameworth was that okay. guy's name, and, and so I, his eyes were big as saucers. And so <laughs> this is microseconds here, by the way. So I'm sorry, so Hyde, I'm sorry if, if I could interrupt just ever so briefly. Yes. From, from what I've seen in the video, the, there's an it starts from an A4 sitting on the port side aft. 
and it hits an A4 on the starboard side aft. Where where well, were you? Actually, it's. I was. I'm gonna I'm gonna send you my article. Okay. and it's got a chart uh, on flight deck chart okay. on it. So you, you'll have that. But I'll tell you this whole story because that's the whole reason right. you're talking to me. Well, not the whole reason. And, uh, you, you're an amazing aviator, and we're glad to have you for even if you you're, weren't there. You're a, you're a piece of naval aviation history, and we yes, got we. And and wanna, we want to extract all the stories out of you we possibly can. <laughs> <laughs> okay, maybe not tonight. Okay. All right, all right, that's fair. <laughs> fair enough. <laughs> Uh, I got to get back to my magazine. There you go. <laughs> All right. All right. Which is my problem. I'm too quick to get away from it. So I, I'm, in, I'm in the airplane, pump, and then I snap my head around, and, and there's a wall of fire between my airplane and John McCain's airplane to my right. Okay. I, I'm on the I'm on the uh, port side of the ship. The, for, for Marines, it's the left side sitting Thank in you, the sir. airplane. <laughs> Thank you. Thank That's you. when you're looking at the pointy end of the boat. <laughs> <laughs> the pointy end for aviators. <laughs> and, and so I, uh, I, I go into adrenaline mode. And so I start trying to scramble. And my first impulse was reach down and grab the ditching handle and as soon as i grabbed it i thought well, what the hell am i doing that for i released it and then i just went ahead and got my coat fittings off okay. two in the bottom, top and two on the bottom yeah and then i pulled the oxygen line snapped that off and the scene i saw right next to my airplane was one of our mechanics engulfed in the fire mm. Were you, you know, steaming? Was it was was the ship steaming? You no, know, I'm not going to tell you this. I'm not going to tell you this. Part okay. Because I don't want to be too crazy. Understand? Because I don't know where who might. Understand? Well, this is a, this is an explicit podcast. It says explicit, okay. but you 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 say whatever you're comfortable. You do what you feel comfortable with, sir. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'll tell it that nobody's going to see the podcast anyway. Whoa! <laughs> oh, shot between no, the headlights. I, mean I mean, no, no families right. are going to look at your podcast. Right. Fair enough. Fifty-five years, sixty years yeah, later. Okay. Fair enough. So, uh, <laughs> anyway, our, our mech was backpedaling out of the fire, <clears throat> and his uh, arm, left arm, is dangling off, mm. being held by. Just me. Oh, did he get by? And did he get hit by sh uh, sh shrapnel coming up up the down the deck? Come, coming later. Okay. All right. So. Yeah. yeah. And so I've told this a bunch of times. It doesn't mean I'm telling it smooth. That's all right. I'm no, we'll, telling this we'll, version we'll, tonight. We'll be we'll be quiet <laughs> and listen. Fig's going to stop interrupting yeah. <laughs> so you can talk. Yeah, I'm 81 years old for God's sake. <laughs> Sorry, sir. <laughs> so so. Uh, uh, I see him, and and his and his bowels are hanging out of his oh, stomach. Ooh. So, and and what had happened was, it didn't hit McCain's airplane. It hit the airplane, the next airplane down, and hit him in the center line, the four hundred gallon tank. So a Zuni ripped in there from across the flight deck, came off a flatter, an F four. The pilot did nothing wrong, but it was. 
It was that the ship was short-circuiting normal safety procedures. And so some stray voltage got to the, the Phantom's uh, Zuni pod, and it, and it fired at least one, and it went across the flight deck. But it didn't have time to arm the, the warhead. That was good. But that rocket motor going through 400 gallons of fuel turned it into a big ball of fire. And and when it did that, that was the whoop I heard. Mm. And so then I leap out of the, the airplane, and I I didn't do that very well. And A4 cockpit, probably about like the Harrier, high enough to hurt you. And uh, so I, I jumped out, and uh, but I didn't do it very. I didn't land feet first. I wound up landing on my hip. I broke my hip and arm. Mm. And uh, I didn't know it at the time, of course. But and uh, laying on the deck, the maintenance chief came up to me, and he helped me get up. And then he disappeared, and and we're all trying to get away from this ball of fire right there. And so I start doing a hop, skip, and a jump to get out in front of the airplane because my goal is to get across the flight deck up to the other side of the ship behind the island. Yeah. And so as I got out to the middle of the flight deck, I was I was, was not doing this very well. And a green shirt, a mech from uh, one of the fighter squadrons, Joe Patain was his name. And he put his arms out, and I lunged for him, and the two of us fell down. And so now I'm laying on the flight deck, and I'm about 50 feet from the first bomb that exploded. The first bomb that exploded exploded off of McCain's airplane. But the bomb, the rocket had not hit McCain's airplane. It was just that ball of fire around his ordnance. So uh, uh, it... That's what popped off. I mean, you are so lucky to be alive yeah. that the effective casualty ratios on, on a bomb that size is hundreds well, of Well, and it's, it's old yeah. and probably what didn't go off totally right. high order, but as far as I was concerned, yeah. it, was just, it was just one incredible shot. Oh, yeah. 50 feet. Uh, I didn't, it slid me up the flight deck about a foot on the, on the non-skid laying, <laughs> laying down there. The next airplane, who was uh, Fred White, and McCain was not flying in my flight; he was in my squadron. Right. But the, the other, the other three guys were after me, and all three of those guys didn't make it. And so I get up, and I'm headed. I'm getting out of here, baby. And so Patane says, "No, stay down, stay down." And I said, "Like hell, let's get out of here." And we already had one bomb. I go hop, skip, and a jump and dive under a phantom behind the island. Guy with the red shirt and the khakis came out. I didn't know if he was a chief or what. And helped me out and took me behind the island. And then inside the island, we pretty much there were more bombs that exploded. A lot is all this is going on. Okay. And so. I'm down in, and they start stripping my flight gear off. One of my squadron mates, Dick Housen, his name was, and, and Dick took my flight gear. He said, don't worry about it. I'll take care of your flight gear. 
and this <clears throat> this guy up from my A6 squadron carried me down the ladders from the flight deck to the second deck. The second deck is one deck below the hangar deck. So he kept, he took me down about four four flights to get to sick wow. we went we went into sick bay ward two and and i was actually one of the first people brought in there and but very quickly it turned into a god-awful place people burned people bleeding like crazy and, and a lot a lot of and then they brought the, the kid down who had been next mm-hmm. to me and, and 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 been blown up and he had been blown up from i i think he was blown up by parts uh, from the i think he was blown up by parts from the drop tank mm-hmm. exploding yeah from, shrapnel uh, uh, yeah. the shrapnel from that but then the bomb went off close by but a lot of us lived through things that were so close to you. You think, God, how did we get through? No kidding. Right. It's, it's crazy. Oh, my God. So it started getting messy down there. And uh, and finally, my roommate, Dick Briner, who passed away recently, Alzheimer's. And uh, so Dick was my roommate and best friend. And he found me. And nobody else was looking for the hide. But but Dick was there, and uh, and it, and we talked a little bit, and uh, he, he he was giving me some. He, later on, he gave filled me in on some other details because he was out running around, hangar deck and all that stuff. So uh, what a mess. Uh, that was it, and we lost 134 oh dead, yeah. and I was on the injured list. But quite frankly. My injuries were very minor. I had a broken hip, broken arm, undisplaced. I had a shrapnel wound on my left hip, and uh, they just bandaged that up. And, and when I got to the Philippines, I put a secondary closure on that. But I was, I was not really hurt bad. That's at what all. you were. You know, you were talking about being one of the first ones to sick bay. I bet you were one of the first ones out too, because when they triaged, there were a lot of serious injuries coming in. They go, yeah, you can wait. But oh my gosh. Just, well, you know what they did? They, they, we had another carrier. Oh, the Ariskany right was there, wasn't she? The Ariskany, yeah. the O boat was there, and so they started sending people to the O boat, and we had uh, at least one destroyer twenty feet away uh, with fire hoses on the, the, okay. the flight deck, and then and the guys are learning firefighting from the, for the first time because. Aviation people never got shipboard fire, firefighters. But that was one of the corrections. My article talks about all that. It's it's a short article. It's two and a half pages. But I'll, I'll get so it. So after that, Hyde, how long were you out of service before you flew again with the broken hip? and A little over a month. That's it? Because it's government. <laughs> Once you get in the hospital, they don't let you right. out. <laughs> I don't know. that A little over a month, that just doesn't seem like a lot of time for a guy with a broken hip and a broken arm. Yeah. So our third cohort well, here, Sticks, is a medical professional, and he's, he's saying, you know, you don't even need shrapnel from that fuel tank. He said the compressive force of that explosion is enough to cause those types of injuries to that uh, to that poor mech of yours. 
And Brad Silcott is a 40% burn victim. So he, he understands what some of these, these men went through. And I just, I'm horrified by it. And I'm, I'm oh still gosh, amazed right? to this day to watch these brave men run towards that fire to save their brothers and to try and put that fire out yep. and to get people away from the explosions that were coming their way. There was a, the, uh, the ordnance chief was, was the most well-known hero and his name passes me. They, they named the, uh, firefighting center at, uh, in Norfolk, uh, for chief Ferrier. Okay. Is that right? Wow. Yeah. Because he went by me. I don't remember him coming by me, but in the, in the plat tape, you can see me. Most people won't see me because it's confusion when you're looking at it. But I, I can I can see what what was going on and and uh, and, and understand it because you, the plat tape is out there. But once once you go through the, yes. yeah. the first hour, you're kind of wasting your time because it's just a camera going. And not it's not being re re aimed and right. things like that. They're just trying to save the ship, right? Because right. we almost sank. The, the, the blew these nine or ten foot diameter holes through that whatever it is, three inch steel, and uh, and 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 all that burning fuel poured right down in there, and boom, and and a lot of the fighter squadrons. Were on had people in there uh, that were do night they doing night check work. So they were they trying to sleep in the night. daytime. So they were asleep when yeah. it all started, and then when the bomb started going off, it blew up, blew ever, blew ever decreasing size holes all the way down until where the, it, it almost made it to the main magazine ceiling, the overhead, <sighs> and that's where the ship almost yeah. sank. But a, but a damage control chief petty officer flooded the magazine, and that's what really sent the, the, save, save, save the salvation of the no ship. No kidding. So, yeah, so Stick says that's Chief Petty yeah. Officer Gerald Wyatt Ferrier, United States Navy. So, so 30, 30 days, no, uh, 30 days before you flew again, and I'm going to guess you didn't fly off the Forestell. Yeah, no. That's correct. Our next... Uh, we didn't fly off a ship for for a, a while. Okay. In fact, uh, it took us a while to get some uh, airplanes, and we only got ten A four Bs, which were older. You guys were flying E's at the time, right? Correct. J six J F fifty two P six motors. So that was the first J fifty two. Then it was the P eight, and then there was a P four O eight, which in a and a A four made it a rocket ship because the empty weight it was one to one. Yeah, no burner. Right. So the guys who you know uh, Snodgrass died in one of those died was flying one of those things with uh, his contract job with uh, Draken. Oh yeah, Dale Snodgrass. Yeah. Okay. Oh. Snort. I don't normally do a special on somebody's death, but I did one on Snodgrass, and I did one on Was he? both. We lost two Marines directors, Bob Hickerson, and then drawing the blank. Was Snodgrass a Blue Angel? No, but he was 
the most famous F-14 pilot to ever fly. Okay. <laughs> All right. And, and my, my best friend had to ground him because he was air land at the time when, uh, when Snort started doing crazy man stuff at air shows in an airplane with like a 3G limit. Oh. <laughs> they had a problem with the airplane. Snort was just flying it like normal. Yeah. Yeah. He was doing some, he was doing some extraordinary flying. He was a good guy. I liked him a lot. So, in fact, uh, he uh, he was always a good friend to me. Yeah, that's awesome. So that that effectively ended your tour in Vietnam, then. Yes, sir. Or did you go back? No, nope. we we were scheduled to go a year later. My my whole career got drug out. We went back, and then in the next. February is when I punched out of an A4B, and uh, that was engine bearing seizure. Uh, so, so were you on a tra- training mission when that happened? Yeah, uh, we were just not grab assing, but yeah, we, <laughs> yeah, we actually were on a test. Uh, we were on a functional flight test because they had pulled the flight controls off, mainly the ailerons, and then reapplied them, and we had to do a what was called a functional flight test. So we didn't have to take it up to yeah. 38,000 feet or anything. It, it, it was during the functional flight test that uh, the bearing, the bearing went out. Yeah. But it, but it was a sneaky, sneaky guy. You want me to tell that story? Oh, please. Yeah. yeah. We, I, I've got almost a thousand hours in the A4 Good uh, between my uh, A4. Yeah. So yeah, I got, I got a, I consider myself a scooter driver. Well, you are. You got a thousand hours. Holy smokes! I've only got twelve hundred on the A four, and that includes the civilian time I flew for three and a half years uh, in air shows. So, so, so set set up this. Uh, did did it cut? Did it, did you have an idea because uh, you got an oil a pressure uh, oil pressure light, or did you get vibrations, or how did you know the bearing was going out on this on this thing? My first indication was I felt, uh, I actually, I didn't feel anything. Just a very minor whiff of smoke came through the eyeballs and stopped instantly. Ooh. Oh, okay. And I thought to myself. That's not normal. I've never seen that before, <laughs> but, you know, all it takes is one drop on the air cycle machine to do that. Sure, sure. And, and I'm thinking, well, that's what it could have been. So the the and eyeballs then, you're uh, talking about are just I, the little round felt, air vents that are like eye socket size. So yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah we yeah. call them eyeball diffusers. Yeah. yeah, same thing that passengers have. <laughs> exactly, like the overhead to passenger care aircraft. Yeah, yeah, yeah right. Yeah. And so uh, I was I was flying with a, a wingman. I was flying his wing. Joe Hallsmer was his name. All of a sudden, I felt a very slight surge. No engine run up or anything. Just it was like somebody was behind the airplane and just nudged the airplane forward a touch. All right, that's a little creepy. Hey, what would you do? You remember were you were you up at Mill Power? Were you just at cruise? Some in the high eighties, ninety percent. Do you remember where you were? Eighty percent. Okay. Yeah. So you you felt like you got a little nudge. Got a little nudge. And so I said, Joe. Do you feel any weird turbulence? Like, uh, I just felt a, a kind of a surge. 
He says, no, it's perfectly smooth. I said, well, I think I'm going back to Cecil. <laughs> I <And> think. So, <laughs> so, I think I'm going back. At this point, we're down a beam Pine Castle target. So we're about 20 minutes away. And and so I uh, we, I think I was, we were about 8,000 feet thereabouts. And so I called uh, base radio. My my uh, roommate was on the desk. It was we had just come back. Here's the other thing: we had just come back from two weeks on a weapons debt at at, at uh, in Diego. No, not San Diego. Not down at Diego Garcia. But. Uh, we just come. We just come back from weapons den out west in Fallon. Oh, okay, yeah, Fallon. Yeah, and uh, and so I I start talking to him about you know maybe what do you think, Pete? And he says he says I I maybe maybe you got some. They've been sitting up. We've had torrential rains for the past two days. And this was this was like a Sunday. And I said, he said, maybe some water got in there in the fuel control. I couldn't imagine how. Yeah. But see, see the thing here, and the the, the crux of my uh, my article I wrote on this one. <laughs> Might as well fill up the magazine. There you right? go. <laughs> yeah. And uh, and so it is that I kept dismissing things. As this thing went along, and kept finding excuses for it's what called was going denial, on. baby. <laughs> yeah, because yeah. I don't want to jump out. I don't want to jump, and I no, really no, nobody wants to jump out of a perfectly good jet. For I don't want to jump out of a bad jet if so I don't Pete, have to. <laughs> Pete's, Pete's brain brainstorm was: he said, "Bring the throttle back to idle and put it in manual fuel control, and come up on manual and see if it does the same thing." I never should have done it. That's maybe what <laughs> right. I yeah. So out. yeah, because you... I had to cycle the RPM. Yeah, and and the bearings are, are trying to eat them. So. That's right. It changes the it changes the thrust on the uh, you know the thrust on the bearings. Yeah. That's yeah, one exactly. of the that's one of the we'll uh, leave the throttle alone. The right? notes was yeah, leave the throttle alone. If you if you had if you had low low yeah, oil pressure, low oil, leave the throttle alone. So we got closer, and Joe's flying the wing. I was not even going to declare an emergency. I was just going to go back, and I was going. To, and I, I took over the tower, and I said, "Would like to do a straight into land." I didn't get to say that because Joe started talking. My wingman started talking, Uh-oh. and I looked over on my left wing, and he's out there five feet away. And I gave him a finger. I'm thinking, "What the hell? What the hell?" <laughs> right, right. Showing you my hands, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I think I'm got. I think I'm on the radio here now. <laughs> and then I look back inside, and the exhaust gas temperature was rising visibly. Ugh. I keyed the mic, and I said, Tower, I do have a problem. I've, I've got rising engine temperature. And so I, took, I started taking my kneeboard off <laughs> and, and thinking about what might be coming. And... And, but it was still, it was still running and so far so good, so far so good. And 
But then all of a sudden, it started running real rough and uh, smoke in the cockpit. Boy. And it was time for me to go. So it, with all the finesse I could muster up, I was by that time a little below 1,000 feet. So I grabbed the secondary the handle. Yeah, the, between your center, legs. One between your legs, yeah. Well, you know, we, we only had one handle. Yeah. But I remember in the A4, you could reach up so or, you had the or face curtain. Down. Yeah, the yeah. And if you were yeah. at low altitude, the rule was use a secondary handle so you can keep the wings level. Yes. There you go. Okay. And and then and so I went ahead and I looked down and pulled it while I was oh. looking at it. And that was an ouch moment. Yeah. So and, so uh, did your forehead and your knees become good friends? <laughs> <laughs> no, okay. it, it, none of that happened. Uh, except that it was a, it was a, a, a escape X seat was an eighteen G seat. New new seats are much less, and and they they uh, have messed around with the acceleration yeah. rate, and 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 to give you the right thrust to do a zero zero, for example. Yeah. Uh, and I and I, ju- I just had a ten page article that's going to be for, ready for you to see on the website here in about a month, and and it's all about the history of the escape act seats by a guy who lived it as a civilian. Oh boy! And he works for one of these ejection seat companies today. It's a delightful guy, more knowledge than it was hard to get him to talk into. We always just said 22 for G's for Martin Baker and 18 for the Escape Act. But there was more to it because it is an acceleration. So oh, yeah. at what point are you going to measure the 18? You know? Sure. Ugh. Did you stay conscious the whole time, Hyde, or did you, yeah, did you well, go out for a little yeah, bit? Yeah, once, once I got out, I was upside down, and that's classic. As soon as you come out, you're falling head first. Then the, the chute opens up and snaps real hard and and all was good because i looked up not only did i feel it i could see the white over my head and i said oh i love you (laughs) and and i was a happy camper so i'm I'm guessing the the airplane landed about a thousand feet short or two thousand feet short of the runway no i was further out than oh okay i was more more like about three miles out okay when all this happened, did you get a, and, uh, a couple swings? So, yeah, and so I spent I spent overnight an overnight in the infirmary, and they let me go the next day, and and they had me on a bombing flight two days later. But I could only do I I, I couldn't pull much G. If I if I'd punched out again, I would really hurt myself. <laughs> oh my gosh! So, but I'm I'm one to get back on the horse for fear I won't. Right, and uh, so. Did you lose a little height? No, actually, I, I lost. I lost <laughs> almost an inch in the midair collision in, in the RV. Oh yeah. my! We haven't got there yet. But not not in the uh, not in the ejection. No, you didn't lose any. You don't think you lost well, any height in the ejection? Well, I I had I had uh, most of my life in pain, depending on what in my my upper neck because that's what took the hit. Okay. And, uh, oh yeah, because you but, were looking down when it went. But it over the years it started to lighten up a little bit, and even I was still getting it in retirement. And I've been, hell, I've been retired for it now for twenty-two years. 
Time flies. Boy, you got that right. And you did, uh, let's talk about some of what you did from what, from once you retired. We chatted a little bit about that pre-show. So after, after your Navy career, you flew for a couple, a couple, three airlines. Make it three. Okay. And so I went to work at National Airlines down in Miami. Why? Okay. Because I didn't have to have to be a plumber. And, and <laughs> right we, had mean pro, flight engineer. we had all pro engineers. <laughs> we had 600 yeah. pilots and okay. total pilots and 300 flight engineers. Everything required an engineer. Right. We had a fleet of 25 727s. In short order, we had DC-8s, DC-10s, and a couple 747s. In, in this small airline, but you know, wow, yeah. in, the uh, is the CAB is telling you what you can't fly, and and so just do what you can. It's the name of that. That's the precursor to the FAA, the CAB, the Civil Aeronautics Board. Well, actually, it was different. The FAA was the FAA. The CAB was controlled that? economically. What you were going to do? Business. They 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 How decided what you're going to be able to fly for routes. Okay. Yeah. So the big the big freedom from that was being told you can now fly whatever routes. Okay. Nice. Nice. How long did you fly at National? Eleven years. Eleven years oh. at Pan Am and ten years at Delta. And uh, at, at Pan Am. I got on the 747 and I flew the 727 there, A300, 747, DC-10. Did I say A300? And yeah, just did. And and so yeah, it was a uh, that's a lot. Of yeah, airplanes. that was all the airplanes there. And then we went to Pan Am. And that was one of these clashing of uh, seniority list things. We actually made out. Oh, the three, Delta Delta Pan Am merger. The, uh, the, you're talking about the Delta Pan Am merger or the no, national? No, the, the Delta Pan Am merger was not a biggie at all. Uh, okay. Delta just says you're going to get your data higher at Pan Am. That was huh? wow. that was 22 years prior, and so Delta was really good about that stuff. But we, the national, the orange pukes, outdid the blue pukes on that merger. <laughs> national and uh, and uh, and Pan Am. Pan Am, yeah. But it was vicious. It was a really tough one, and we both we had lawyers, and we were doing our best, and they were, and we, we were flying better positions at the airline position and seat. Than, than Pan Am old time guys because they had gone, they had gone for twenty years without hiring a soul or something like that. It was crazy. Oh, oh they had fired, I think they had hired just prior to that merger a, a little bit, but I didn't get to hurt too bad. So, so but the only thing I did there was I asked for a simulator job on a seven four so I could get away from feeling like shit all the time. I know of which you speak, sir. (laughs) Do a lot of global flying. 
Well, let's let's wander our way into your your RV four flying, and and while I'm to do that, lead into that, I will say that I've got a note here on the screen from uh, Chucker. Says they're in the middle of the Caribbean, and says uh, Dan from Holler is here with me, and says hello. Gotcha. <laughs> They're in the middle of the Caribbean, so no telling what came through. <laughs> yeah, it's a secret. So, no, there you go. So, yeah, they're in an undisclosed location in the middle of the Caribbean. Yeah. So, anyway, so yeah, so there's a there's a pretty active flying community down there on the east coast of Florida, not too far from Jacks. I'm given to understand. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You and several other gents, uh, I've, I've seen pictures of an amazing. Uh, ready room that has been cre- recreated with a uh, well, tail hook. Well, it's going to be ours. I've, I've, take, I've taken all the photos of our ready room, and it, it's the one with lots of Navy things there. That's it. De- ready Dennis room chairs, Celeste tail is hooks. in that group, and, and Dennis probably has 1,601 traps. Oh, wow. And, yeah. That's and, a lot uh, of violence. And and that was that was all because he got orders to go to sea where people like my good friend, John, my good friend, I can't think of his last name because I can't remember shit anymore. Oh, no worries. So John, that's all right. We don't need last names here. <laughs> Le- lean outs. John lean outs. Oh, okay. And uh, we try to protect the guilty here. <laughs> yeah. Well, the, the senile. <laughs> hey, I am not senile. I just don't remember anything. Yeah, <laughs> I got, I got, I got the camera. Shit. But yeah, well, Jungle's part of that. He's part of that that F fourteen crowd, and I love hanging out with him. Yeah. So let me just so people listening, Jungle's eighty one, Chucker's eighty three, and this will be show eighty five. So that was four weeks ago, a month ago. By the time you hear this in the audio okay. version. So that was Jungle we interviewed a month ago, that of which we speak. So anyway, so you guys have quite the flying community here. Tell me, uh, tell me what it's like. So Pat Lee is the instigator, and we, I was still with Delta. Sixty is almost there on me. Okay. I said, "What do you mean, little airplanes?" He starts talking about the RV home built, right? And just yeah. build it. I bought it. Okay. I, well, I, I like to say I built it with a check. There you go. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, uh, but I loved maintaining it. I put over 2,000 hours on that airplane before the midair. Okay. And uh, it was some of, the, some of the most, if you wanted to put just pure love of flying and the hassle mm-hmm. and the mountains, could have left out the camping maybe. Well. But I, that was a small price. And it was just about that much fun all the time. Nice. Because the, the RV, like, I mean, you know, I, I would fly my son's Piper. It's like flying a dump truck. Right. But an RV right. is is like power steering just because of they don't have to have the same stick pressure and the experimental as they do certified sure. airplanes. So I loved it. It had... You know, my top speed with a fixed pitch prop was two ten miles an hour. That's good. And and so uh, it, it had a good ra- speed range, and it stalled at fifty four. Okay, and so it's a great speed range. Fully aerobatic, tail dragger. Yep. Two seater. 
and in tandem, mean one in one pilot in front of the other. And uh, my uh, and I've got I've got a, a YouTube channel. Oh, okay. uh, just on on YouTube, just search Dave Dollarhide, and it'll come up with a yellow RV and a, a angle of bank. And I've got about fourteen, fifteen movies there. A lot nice. of them were okay. RVs, and, and some of them from out, out west on grass strips, and and uh, a lot of stuff I couldn't put on there because the CFI police are everywhere. And we've had some guys <laughs> turned into the FAA because they saw Bob Woolley, who, by the way, was the guy who died in my midair. But I was I was flying with Bob when when he he and Two other guys. I think we were we were behind. There was a there was one guy in the lead, and we're doing tail chase around clouds, just south of the airport. Okay. So he got he got reported by some guy who. Oh, I, I know one of the guys had taken a movie of that, and he posted it on some experimental website, and oh, that's when no. that's when all of a sudden. That pilot was in trouble uh-huh. because he, he called the FAA and the FAA called him and says, look, we can't ever prove these things, but I just want to caution you, blah, blah. So that that happens. So I, so a lot of those movies I could have had on there that I have here at home are a lot more fun. But the, the my A4 movie is the one that you're going to really enjoy. Uh, it's is, semi-professional. Is that Hyde's Last Ride? Yeah, yeah. Hyde's okay. Last Ride. I, yeah, I've yeah, managed yeah. to pull that up. So yeah, as you said, Dave Dollarhide, Dollarhide being one word, your last name on YouTube yeah. comes right up. Beautiful. Oh yeah. So it's were amazing. you were you flying? You were doing A four flying as a civilian, A four flying, air show flying. Yeah. How'd you get into? But that? I, but I, I didn't do, uh, I didn't do aerobatic stuff because to do that, I'd have to go to a different airport. And uh, pay pay the uh, the see if the experimental observer come out there and certify me every year. So I to save the owner's money, I just did a, a formation show with whatever they had me to fly okay. with, or I would just come by it as fast as stink and <laughs> and, and because stink is a good speed. Right. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> Those are, there's two titles right there as fast as stink and stink is a good speed yeah. <laughs> I like yeah. that I've got a plenty of good titles here but I, I do too I, I don't think we're going to have a problem no, with not tonight this. yeah so, so alright I'm going to tell you about that yes sir please alright so I went I went to the airport and I was just going to change my oil so I needed to warm it up but one of the guys had told me a week ago before that that I needed to check my airspeed because it was 10 miles an hour off. And I'm thinking to myself, who cares? <laughs> so, but I, this time at the airport, I'm going to go fly. And I stopped by Bob's hangar. He was in the hangar. Here's a guy who flew Phantoms in Vietnam. He flew, he flew all kinds of different Air Force airplanes. And he had built what I'm going to say, he built 10 airplanes at least. Wow. Oh, wow. 
he was a building machine, but he was also the best pilot at the airport. And if somebody was going to beat Hyde's ass, it was going to be Bob. Because we took turns uh, trading that, that little unknown trophy around just between he and I. <laughs> but, yeah, so uh, I stopped by and I said, Bob, check. Would you take off and give me a airspeed check? We'd done this many times because he built all these airplanes and I would... I would chase him and check speed. So uh, he uh, he did that, and and I, I slowed down right I, since I got after off after takeoff. I pulled it back to a stall, and he was calling the speeds out. And then I said, "Let's go out west a little bit." So we we climbed up maybe a couple of thousand feet, and uh, and then as we got away from the the airport, uh, Bob was leading, and and so he started doing some turns, which always leads into tail from tailgate to furball, and uh, so uh, and so we did go into a furball, and we swapped places, and and then and then I I followed him around a little bit, and. Uh, and then I said, "Let's. What do you say? Let's go back." I didn't expect him to answer, and he didn't, because we didn't talk much. And <laughs> yeah. pretty much, pretty much, that's what killed Bob, uh, yeah. because he didn't see me. I thought he saw me, because I, I had come out from behind, off to the side. He just didn't see me, or something like that yeah. happened. Yeah, and turn, so uh, turn in, the first turn time I, in. the next time I see Bob, it's head on, perfectly head on. I'm descending at 170 indicated, and he is climbing 500 feet a minute, just like I was descending. Oh boy! And so I saw him one second before we hit. No time to do anything. Mm. Yeah, because you're talking and, over 300 knots of closure between you. 340, yeah. If, yeah. because he was probably at 170, yeah. just like yeah. me. And so it was, it tore the hell out of my airplane. But his, after the impact, my, my first impulse was instantaneous grief. Mm. I've never seen anything like it. I'd been on Forest Hall and done all that stuff, but nothing was like this. He died on my nose, on my prop. And I almost died the same way on his airplane. So we were both at fault for not talking. Wow. And uh, it's as simple as that. If he had said, or if I had said, I don't see you, where are you? It never would have happened. But we did. We did hit. And so it was a, a violent hit. And instantaneously, my airplane is vibrating like crazy. Our props had clashed. And his vertical stabilizer had had cut into my, the cockpit is maybe 18 inches mm -hmm. wide. Yeah. And so about six inches outside the cockpit, the side of the airplane, is where his vertical stabilizer went through my, into my wing spar. The wing stayed on. Oh Bob's tail came off because when I turned around, I gave him some things I discovered afterwards, but... Bob was airplane was in two pieces when I twisted around 
And my, my impulse was to go back to him. But as soon as I turned around, I saw him falling in two pieces. Mm-hmm. And uh, they were large pieces. And and so I said, I just got to put this down. And there was a, a dairy farm right there. We we're only four miles from our airport. And so I picked out a field and, uh, and started putting it down. And uh, everything was normal, except that when I got maybe... Made it 20 feet is when it started to roll into a, a hard left, mm. uncontrollable. So, and it continued to do so with full rudder and full aileron. Oh boy. And so then my left wing hit, hit the ground and I can, I remember it's, you know, it's a bubble canopy on the floor. So I, I was looking at the entire horizon and, and I could see I was, I was in an 80 degree bank when the left wing hit. And so what happened, because it, at that kind of bank angle in 1G, I, was, I would be turning like a bandit. Yeah. And so the wing hit in a, in, a, in a real, that great turn, and it just spun the airplane around, pointed it in the opposite direction I've been flying, and, and, and it crashed into the ground and broke my back. And my head went through the canopy. Mm. Wow! So I, I wind up with a lot of overtime. I mean, I, I, instantly I knew that, but the lasting things for me has been a bunch of little micro strokes and mini strokes. And the only symptoms I've had whenever I have one of these things is uh, is numbness in either my right arm or left arm, which that means. I've got I've got many strokes on both sides of my brain. Jeez. Right, right, yeah. right side of the brain. Brain controls left side. Sure. Versa sure. Versa. Yeah. How long ago did this happen, Hyde? It was uh, May 29th in nineteen twenty nineteen. So it's been uh, a little over four okay. and a half years. Wow. You are and, uh, a, you are a tough bird, sir. And sticks sticks are medical guy. Says that's exactly right. That's uh, he's he's the medical guy. Yeah. Confirming <laughs> confirming what you already know, but for for our listeners, you are, you are I'm, one tough. I'm surprised your airplane was still flyable all the way right? down to the all the way down to the ground. Well, the, most of the damage, of course, it had that big gouge in the, in the left wing, and and, and and who knows other what other wrinkles are all in the in the airframe, just for that high speed. Impact. That's a testament yeah. to the RV airframes, though, as well. Those are those are tough airplanes. The, the RV four has. I don't think the RV four has ever had a wing come off. Yeah. RV eight has, but the RV eight is a, a three piece wing. Okay. Outer outer panels. And in a middle okay. panel, and it's all bolted together really nice. But they finally lost the, the, an RV eight at the factory, killed killed the, the test pilot and the demo pilot, and and the customer that was in there. Mm. So they actually they actually sandbagged sandbagged the airplanes, and they had never sandbagged the airplanes to find the braking weight. Breaking 
pot spot where we're yeah, we yeah. measuring yeah. Well, Hyde, how uh, many how many years did you spend in the Navy total? Let's see. I was on active duty and reserve uh, flying for 18 and a half years straight. And, and, uh, but then the, the rest of it was just, you know, mm. staying into okay. one job after another, not, well, not flying for jobs. Indeed. And, uh, I mean, really, thank you for your service. Yeah, I finished this in 06, and uh, that's what it, that, I never held an 06 job, but that I wanted to money. Yeah, to finish your career, to finish your career up. I think we've taken enough of your time tonight. We have. And we really we're humbled and honored that you have have chosen to to share your evening with us. Thank you. Well, it was delightful, and you both were perfect. Thanks, thanks for the way you do it. Well, we we uh, and, and and if you think if you think of more stories that you want to tell, write the bullets down because it always happens. As soon as we stop recording, you think, oh, I should have told him this. Oh, I should have told him that. Write down the bullets, and we'll have Absolutely. you back on. Oh, I got my whole <laughs> life is like that, but most of them are the, the near misses that we all had flying those kind of airplanes, especially though, if you hear your nuts. <laughs> all right. I mean. We lived our nine lives. We're like cats. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, really. We, we've got a number of guys that uh, on the board. That flew the Harrier. It's a, it a fun airplane. It's uh, a fun airplane. But I got to, I, I, yep. it, it was close. I'll say the Harrier was a little more fun, but the A4 was right up there. I mean, that was a great piece of two single yeah. engine, single well, seat the jets. Harrier probably had the same kind of roll. Yeah, no, not it quite. did not. The Harrier did not roll as fast oh, as not the quite. A4. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-uh. Oh wow! Hey, I'm surprised. You'll, hey, you'll enjoy this. I yeah. got to tell this real sure. quick. So I I went from uh, from flying Harriers with repeat. I went back to the training command to be an instructor in the A4 in the TA4, and it was one of my very first instructor you know training sorties. I'm in the front seat, and there's another Marine. He's a uh, he's checking me out in the A4 in the back, and we're doing a formation rendezvous, and I have about a hundred knots closure. Because that's what we did in the Harrier. We 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 keep a hundred knots closure until we were really close, and we would just feed a little nozzles in, and you'd slow right down. So, yeah, uh, really. I am. I got a hundred knots closure, and yeah. I get to where it's time to grab the nozzles. I let go of the throttle, and I reach for the nozzle lever, and it was there, gone. There was no nozzle lever. <laughs> they was removed like, it. Holy shit! <laughs> and so you know, you talk about somebody taking the lead real quick. Well, that was me. And, of course, the guy in the back saw this coming a mile out. He goes, yeah, I fly with you Harrier bastards all the time. Well, I see this shit every three months when you guys show up. Oh, man. Good, good yeah. stuff. Well, let me, let me uh, give you a, an offer. Uh, sure. If you don't yeah. mind. Keep your, keep your ears open for stories that I can use in the magazine. Ooh. And I'll tell you, the, the Marine contingent on the board, has really been powerful in providing first off-the-shelf articles that I've published, and I'm real, really proud of the, the quality of the, the stories we tell. And guess what? I've I've got I've got one of those AQ2s. The guy I was telling mm-hmm. telling you about earlier, the avionics guy. He was a he was an enlisted guy on the Midway. And then as an old man, he's, he's floating all these stories around in his head about that he never heard answers uh-huh. to uh, aboard, the, aboard the ship. And things that he saw on the flight deck, like 
crashes on the flight deck and all that. And he has been writing articles. I've had to work with him. And me working with somebody is a oxymoron <laughs> because I, I I went through this this marketing degree just to get out of it, just to get away into into down to Pensacola. All I wanted was a degree and let me out right. of That's awesome. Well, that's awesome, man. Well, All right. Well, I we will yeah, you, it, keep keep them keep in the back of your head if you have something you want to throw my way. Yes, out. sir. Absolutely. And uh, I'm trying to see. It doesn't look like you take advertising in the in the Skyhawk.org, but we uh, I'd I'd rather not because. Sure. We only have twenty four pages. We do we do advertise, and I have a I have a a, a schedule of a pay. Uh, but if you want something in there for yes, the podcast, absolutely, what you're thinking, right? we'd love we'd love for uh, naval we'll aviators get their get their ears on our show. I, I'll give you, I'll give you a bottom half of a page, most likely, depending on what article I've got going. But I'd be we'd glad be to humble. Do that. Would. No, 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 no. Whatever no, your rate is going, we're more than happy to pay it. No, no, but, but you have to yeah. understand, nobody's ever paid the rate <laughs> at all. <laughs> because it almost always there goes you go. good. It's, for sound right. and yeah. <laughs> it's a good way to, it's a good go. way to yes. bargain. All right. Well, all thank right. you indeed. And if you'll hang soon. with us just a minute, we're going to get a couple other thank yous out of the way here. But uh, thank you. How about a salute to all our military veterans and the families who support us? Absolutely. How about that? Absolutely. We appreciate all those who have served, all those who have sacrificed. And that includes you wives and you children of those service members who, uh, you know, did birthdays without dad and anniversaries. And and in some cases these days now, mom, you know what? People are hanging it out there for our benefit. God bless you. Hey, I, I have two sons that are actually three sons that will attest to the fact that they're, they're scarred from right. my military service. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. It's a, it's so, a problem. Yeah. Yeah. We also need to thank Dave Hamilton over at BeckBeatMedia.com. Uh, BeckBeat Media handles all our advertising. If you've got a show and need advertising, reach out to them online at BeckBeatMedia.com. Dave does two other shows. I'm sorry, three other shows. He does the Mac Geek Gab, of which I'm a co-host. He does the Gig Gab for musicians and the business brain for entrepreneurs. Hey, we got a glossary. So if you hear a term that you're not quite sure about, because we throw a lot of acronyms and a lot of other aviation-related terms out there, we try to keep them in the glossary. Yeah. If you can't find it, send us an email. Yeah. Send one to Sticks. Big. Yeah, send it to Sticks. <laughs> sticks at so there I was dot us. He'll answer, answer all of the questions because he's got. Gigantic Eidetic brain. Eidetic memory, gigantic brain. Smarter than me and Fig put together. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the two of us. We can't even compete with half right his on. brain. There you go. <laughs> but if you must write to us, it's repeat, R-E-P-T-E, at so there I was dot U-S, or Fig at so there I was dot U-S. What you wearing, Fig? On your old head. Well, I got, I got, well, bald guys need hats. And uh, I got a so there I was hat at our merch store. Nice. So there I was, .us slash merch. Get yourself a hoodie. Bikinis, shirts, hoodies, cocktail glasses, koozies. Beach blankets, bikinis, you name it. Did I mention there's a bikini? Once. One time I think you mentioned that bikini. (laughs) I really like that bikini. I love it. Hey, hey, you know what? 
we couldn't keep doing this show like we have been if it hadn't been for all of you people who will go get up at six o'clock in the morning and stumble through the dark and get yourself to work and earn that paycheck and then you throw that money at us we don't know why but you do and we're ever so grateful for it we know that money wasn't handed to you yet you hand it to us so we can share these stories with you so thank you so much we we are deeply humbled by that very yeah. humbly. if you can't throw money at us fig what what might one do to help us out share the there show share the show tell your friends about the show and give us a five-star rating there you go not one don't you do it <laughs> We know there who you, you are, go. by the way. We've yeah, tracked you down. So, um, Douchebag <laughs> gave us a one-star rating, didn't even write anything. Just one star, boom, and ran. No, no feedback. One one star and ran. ran. But yeah, there you <laughs> go. And by share the show, I mean, you know, well, there's posts up on Facebook. Put put our posts on your page. If, if you're not too embarrassed to be associated with us, we'd be eternally grateful for that. Some images that we put up on our website, occasionally in the shows, are from uh, BDS, Bravo Delta Sierra, com, and Brad Silcott, who's a listener and I believe may still be with us here this evening. So thank you very much, Brad. We appreciate your uh, allowing us to uh, associate your fantastic work with our mediocre attempts at humor. <laughs> <laughs> That's about right. right. You know? Yeah. 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 And then uh, lastly, I I don't know. I got like this little, what's it called? An earwig? Well, I got tinnitus, but uh, that's beside the story. Uh, I hear a little music in the background, and that is none other than the two Air Force pilots that make the Air Force sound good. Both of them. Those gringos. gringos. Not Uno gringo. Not Tres gringos. Those gringos. Go listen to fantastic that. music. You can't you can't have a bad day after listening to that. Absolutely, they're out on uh, uh, everywhere where you get music: Spotify, Amazon Music, uh, Apple Music, all that good stuff. Thanks also to our co-host uh, who sits in the background more often than not. Sticks, we much appreciate your contributions and your help. Chase Cole, who has stepped up and manages our Facebook page and our Facebook group more than uh, more than I do. You've taken the initiative, sir, and it's deeply appreciated. It takes a big load off my shoulders. Thank and you, Marine. Indeed, thank you, Marine Semper Fi. I don't know. What do you think, Fig? Till next week. Any advice for our listeners? Why don't we uh, why don't we tell them to stay safe and check six? <laughs> well, there I was crossing the pond, and you could see that I wasn't exactly fond of all the shit I was wearing on that day. Now an F-16 is cramped enough, but it's even worse with all that stuff supposed to save your life. But we knew there was no way. I enjoyed it, guys. You're going down the North Atlantic, man. It's over. I'm out of here. You heard him. He said it's over. We'll talk later. Bye. He said it's over. Yep. I picked the wrong week to quit sniffing blue. I quit. Wrong way. That was a listen. It was a great interview, and that dude's a walking. He's a walking piece of history. <laughs>